welcome you here this evening to 70 Poems. We are so glad that you were able to carve a little time out of your schedule tonight to come and be with us. Knowing that you're, everyone's in the middle of their holiday preparations and just the craziness of the new, new living new life with the pandemic going on and things like that, we are so glad that we can come here and just be a part. And it's just, I feel like it's more, more bearable to do all this when we're together. So I want to just read a scripture. It's from Luke 2, and it is chapters, it's chapter 2 and 10 through 14. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. I will be to, uh, in the town of David, he has been born to you, the Messiah of the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes, lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared to the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to those whom his favor rests. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you for this time when we can come together and just praise your name, that we can find hope that is in your Savior, the hope of Jesus Christ. And we ask you to bless this evening, bless the word, bless the worship, and I pray, Lord, that we'd be able to turn our hearts towards you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you stand with us.
Christmas at Seventy Palms. We are so thankful that you've come to be here with us tonight. We're going to move on, and we're going to continue to celebrate the birth of our Savior. Will you join in with us as we sing to sing some carols?
whatever this is. Watch out. Can you believe they gave us mics? The two of us? Hi, everyone. Hello, hello, hello. I'm Jen. And I'm Lori. And we're here to do the announcements. <laughs> you guys can sit down. Yeah. But thanks for standing. Yeah. That was nice. Okay, we're so excited to have you all here for 70 Palms Christmas. We know many of you had to, like, you know, wrangle yourself out of your home, away from that child, or your husband, yes. or work, or even that dog. <laughs> so we're so excited to have you all here tonight. We just have a couple announcements. One, in case you didn't know, we do have a podcast called The Canopy at 70 Palms. It's great. If you haven't checked it out, if you're a podcaster, go ahead and download that, and you can send it off to your friends. It will be for tonight, right? Yeah. It's going to yeah. be out there, so yeah. make sure you can send it to your friends and share with them. If you haven't checked it out, I did re-listen to the first one, and there's some people on the team who have some interesting um, guilty pleasures in the snack department. <laughs> yeah, we know. So, we know. Right? right? In mm -hmm. case you didn't know, someone loves zebra cakes. How many of you guys know what zebra cakes are? Oh yeah, lots of us. And someone really loves anything with chocolate and peanut butter. Can I have a look? All of us, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Almost so, everybody. Yeah, so check it out. It's great. And um, that's about it. Yeah, okay. So, my turn. Um, if you guys can get out your phones, your calendars, even just a scrap of paper or gum wrapper, I'm going to give you the date for next 70 Palms, so I want to make sure that everybody has it to take with them. It's going to be January 15th. That's a Friday night. So Friday, January 15th, we're going to have our next 70 Palms. And Miss Noelle Miller is going to be our speaker. Yeah, that is so exciting. Yes, I love that. Um, so many of us in the room know Noelle already. She used to be on staff here at Life Church before her and her gorgeous family. Um, became missionaries. So she is coming back to us. She's going to bring a great word. So we invite all of you back and please bring friends or family or whomever so we can just pack the house for Noelle because we are super excited that she's going to be back with us. So that is going to be Friday, January 15th. Yes. That's nice and clear, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So with that said, welcome to Christmas and <laughs> well, again, good evening, ladies. I have the wonderful privilege of announcing our speaker this evening. For me, she is someone who's very dear to me. Ever since I came to Life Church 10 years ago, I feel like she has taken me in. She has prayed with me, she has prayed for me, she has believed for me, she has stand with me in my faith. She is someone that encourages me, and I know for many of you women here, she is a big encouragement for you as well. She has a huge heart for this church. We all see it week after week, time and time again, how she pours out her love on us women and for just the kingdom of God. So this evening, we get to welcome one of our favorite leaders here at Life Church. So if you will please join me in welcoming Miss Tammy Cole. Merry Christmas! 
this. I am still kind of in shock. Um, this has been the longest year ever, known to mankind, but yet also the shortest year, right? Like, I just, sometimes I think, where, where did this year go? And then you look back at March and you think, that was so long ago. Yeah. <laughs> but here we are, we're at Christmas, we're almost at the end of 2020, yes! Yeah. Oh, this year that I had such great hopes for, and then it just all kind of went to poo. So, um, yeah, it's, as all of us, right? All of us have had dreams and ideas and thoughts that we have for this year, and it all kind of went to the tank. So, um, but you're here. It's Christmas, and we get to talk about what is literally the most wonderful time of the year. I think it is a miraculous, beautiful, just everything is marvelous about Christmas. Last night, in this very space, right down there, there was a group of Bible nerds, and we met and we talked about Luke chapter 1, verse, verses um, 26 through 38. And we talked about when Gabriel came to Mary and that whole encounter when he told her that she was highly favored. This 12, 13-year-old girl gets this encounter with an angel, with a heavenly being, and he tells her, you are highly favored, Mary. He calls her by name. He knows who she is. So let that sink into your heart tonight. He knows you by name. He sees you, and you are highly favored. He also tells her that she is going to be the mother of the Most High, the Great One, the Redeemer. And she doesn't look at him and go, what? She looks at him in awe and wonder and says, how can this be? Because she knows that she has not been with a man, so how can this be? She is truly in wonder, wondering how this can happen. And the angel proceeds to tell her in detail how it is going to there's going to be a foreshadowing of the Holy Spirit and that he is going to come upon her. Now, we talked about, we had many discussions about little things in the word that were mysteries to us and were astounding to us. But one of the things that I think is most miraculous about this encounter that she has, and, and I left this part out from last night so that I could share it tonight so the girls are going to be like, she didn't tell that. <laughs> That's not right. But what is so interesting to me is that I don't believe Mary had yet started her period. Because I believe her womb had to be empty. There could not have been an egg in there yet. Because that would have brought confusion to the story. So the Jesus Christ, our Redeemer, the one that loves us so deeply, the one that we are here tonight to celebrate, had to divest himself to become an egg and a sperm so the Holy Spirit could then implant that into her womb, an empty womb. Mm -hmm. He, this infant, from the creation, from creation, the Trinity, when they were making Adam and Eve, they knew they knew that the baby 
in the womb could not have the mother's blood and could not have the father's blood. It had to create its own blood. So each infant in the womb creates its own blood because they knew at creation that Jesus was going to have to come and that he was going to have to be imparted into the womb of a virgin so that he could save us, you, me, the world. From creation, it was known that he was going to become an egg and become a sperm and was going to be implanted into her empty womb. Does that not blow all of your circuits? Like you're just, wow. Jesus loves you and I so much that he would do that. And then there was a question brought up. So, like, what was he doing in there? Like, was he sitting around, chilling? Like, is he twiddling his thumbs? Like, waiting? Like, what, what's happening? And then, won't it be so much fun to sit and watch on the heavenly IMAX the whole story? See how it happens. See the, the overshadowing of the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. and the implanting of that, of the egg and of the sperm of Jesus Christ. It just blows my mind. It just sends me into a place of where I literally want to get down on my knees and I want to cry. And I just want to be like, wow, for me? You would do that for me? And the effect of that is still happening today. And it's going to keep happening. That effect has not stopped. It will not stop. Because the word will not cease. It will continue on. So no matter what this crazy world is going through and doing, and, and what kingdoms are rising and what kingdoms are falling, no matter what is happening, we have to know and we have to believe that the God of creation, the one that knew from the very beginning how to make Adam and how to make Eve, and that Jesus Christ was going to be delivered to us from a virgin, knew all of that, is in control. He is still in control. Amen. He knows what is happening. So no matter what you are going through tonight, no matter what you walked through those doors with tonight, whatever is heavy on your heart, whatever confusion in your mind is going on, Whatever despair you may feel like you are having, know he knows you by name, he sees you, and he's in control. Amen. That all is for free. Okay. <laughs> now let's get into what my real message is. So um, that literally was just a precursor. Sorry. Um, so this effect, this effect that he has, this, this effect that is still going on was reminded to me back in September when, um, well, really, it, it, the story really starts back in March. We were supposed to go, um, Ava's last spring break of high school, we were gonna take her to um, one of her favorite places. So Ava was born in Georgia, um, in, in Athens, Georgia. So she loves to go to Georgia. So we um, had planned to go for her last high school spring break, and um, then the world shut down. And we couldn't go, so um, we dropped her bed off at um, Evangel in Springfield in August, and then in September we went um, without her. <laughs> so, um, sorry! Um, so, he was golfing, I was shopping, and we were having a good, I was having a great time, he was having a good time, and it was great, we were, <laughs> it was wonderful. 
Um, you don't have to worry about anybody. You just take care of yourself. It was an amazing vacation, our first vacation, really without having to think about the girls. <gasps> mama, mama the house, um, the toddler, and they won't leave you alone and you can't go to the bathroom by yourself. The day is coming, my friend. The day is coming when you do not have to worry if that person has their shoes on. You do not have to worry if that person remembered their lunch. You do not have to worry if that person has remembered how to drive the car on the way to school. You don't have to worry. You literally will walk out of the house and be like, it is just me all by myself. This is amazing. And you are going to love it, and it is coming. So just hold on. Don't kill them, because your reward is coming. So um, I'm in this little shop that I like to go to back in Georgia, so I, I've noodled again. So, um, and I see this book, and it has this, um, let me drop it again. It has this butterfly. Can you see the butterfly on it? And it's, I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? And the poor guy that wrote it, um, I always feel sorry for people that have the first name and last name that are the same. Yeah. Like, oh, was Mama just done? You know, she was like, I've had it. There's no more creativity in names. You are getting the same first name as your last name. So, Andrew Andrews, you're done. I mean, God, love, you know? Will Williamson. Really? You couldn't think of something else? So this poor guy, Andy Andrews, it says he's a New York Times bestselling author. This book is called The Butterfly Effect. And I'm going to read portions of it to you tonight that have to go along with my message. So I'm going to have to put on my glasses because I'm old. So Andy Andrews says, in 1963, Edward Lorenz presented a hypothesis to the New York Academy of Science. His theory stated simply was that a butterfly could flap its wings and set molecules of air in motion, which would move other molecules of air, in turn moving more molecules of air, eventually capable of starting a hurricane on the other side of the planet. Lorenz and his ideas were literally laughed out of the conference. What he had proposed was ridiculous. It was preposterous, but it was fascinating. Therefore, because of the idea's charm and intrigue, the so-called butterfly effect became a staple of science fiction, remaining for decades a combination of myth and legend spread only by comic books and bad movies. So imagine the scientific community's shock and surprise when more than 30 years after the possibility was introduced, physics professors working from colleges and universities worldwide came to the conclusion that the butterfly effect was authentic, accurate, and viable. Soon after, it was recorded the status of a law, now known as the law of sensitive dependence upon initial conditions. This principle has proven to be a force encompassing more than mere butterfly wings. Science has shown that the butterfly effect 
to engage with the first movement of any form of matter, including people. He goes on to say, everything you do matters. Every move you make, every action you take matters. Not just to you or your family or your business or your school or your hometown. Everything you do matters to all of us for forever. So it got me thinking, if that is true, what is my butterfly effect? What have I sent into motion? And I sat there and I was thinking and I came up with three things that I think are my butterfly effect. One is coming to Wisconsin. Back in the fall of 02, um, meeting with the hundred people that were here, not knowing really which state was Wisconsin, I'm gonna be honest with you. <laughs> I just knew it was one of those in the very top by Canada and that it was cold and they had a lot of snow. And I had married Aaron knowing that I would never live where there was snow because he was from Arkansas. So, I mean, he's gonna live in Arkansas probably, right, his whole life. And then we moved to Wisconsin. And the effect of that is still going on today. You're here, we're in this building, one of four campuses of Life Church. Thousands of people call Life Church their home. In Appleton, the Fox Valley area, Brookfield, here in Germantown, and in the city of Milwaukee. And then I like to think that my greatest butterfly effect happens to be my two girls. I knew when I was a little girl my mother tells me that I would tell stories of how I adopted my baby dolls. And it always would surprise her because we never talked about adoption as a family. No one in my family was adopted. I know of no one, my family knew of no one that was adopted. So it was always very interesting to her. And um, she would tell me, I just knew I just knew that I was going to adopt my babies. It became quite an issue when I was dating. Um, there were many guys that thought that I was the one until they found out that I didn't want to have kids and I just wanted to adopt. And they were like, but you don't want to have one of your own? And I'm like, nope, I'm not supposed to. And it, it caused some issues, um, but then the right guy, came, right guy came along and um, I knew, I knew when he said, what he said about adopting kids, that he was the one. And when we were in youth ministry, we knew that we were not gonna have kids because it's just too crazy. Like that is the best birth control known to mankind is to be youth pastors. Um, nothing like raging hormones, um, you know, unruly teenagers and just all that that encompasses to make you feel like, no, no. So we waited until we came here, but we had seen a family in Tulsa that was at the church. They had two 
teenagers in our youth group, and then they fostered to adopt this sibling group. And we were like, oh, that's what we want to do. We want to adopt a sibling group. So when we came here, we went through the foster program. We had a lot of shut doors. And um, it was all God's timing. God knew. God knew the timing had to be just right for the girls who are our girls who are biological sisters, for their timing and our timing to collide at the right moment. And um, for the first time in eight years, there was what is called, the process is called, a termination of parental rights in Ozaki County, and it was our girls. And it was a miracle. The DA, the, the guardian at Lydon, they all looked at us like, I cannot believe this just happened. And we had told them, we're telling you, we're telling you, these girls are not gonna be in the system their whole life. They're not gonna age out. This is gonna happen and it's gonna happen quick. And it was such a beautiful testimony of God's hand over their life and how they are today. What he is doing in and through them as a 22 year old and as a 19 year old, to see his hand on their life. I like to think that butterfly effect is a part of my life. And then the last of my three is missions. I remember distinctly growing up watching the NBC Nightly News. You may have heard me tell this story before, but I always wanted my parents to watch the NBC Nightly News with Tom Brokaw because I thought he was cute. <laughs> and Walter Cronkite just looked old. <laughs> old and kind of scary. If you don't know who he is, you can Google and find out. Um, but I just thought Tom Brokaw was just the cutest thing. And I also had a crush on Harrison Ford, but that's another story for another day. Um, I know, what's my deal with older men, right? Kind of weird. Um, but I also had a crush on Rob Lowe and, you know, all those that would be in the 80s. So, um, I don't want you to think I'm weird. But, um, I did like people my own age, too. But, um, I remember watching the NBC Nightly News and seeing these reports from Ethiopia. Not knowing where Ethiopia was, I just remember seeing the babies sitting in the, the desert with their extended bellies from starvation and the flies in their eyes and around their mouths and the mothers, the complete look of despair on the mother's faces. And it impacted me as a kid. I was in elementary school, uh, early to late uh, elementary school, and I remember, I remember distinctly the Lord telling me, you will go there one day. So as a child, as a little girl, I had implanted in me, in my heart, that I would adopt and that I would go to Ethiopia. I don't know who this is for today, but mama, if your babies are telling you things that seem completely outlandish, they seem like that could it never happen in a million years, make note. Make note of what your babies are telling you because the Lord may be doing something so miraculous in their life that it seems crazy to you. But the Lord just might be in it. If he has told you something that you think is crazy and outlandish and could never happen, he might just be in it. Don't dismiss what the Lord is telling you. The whispers that he gives you in your ear and in your heart. Write them down. Mark them down. Put the date down where you were and what was said. Don't forget 
the little whispers that he gives you because they literally could be life-changing. It was then from when I was a girl to 2008, August of 2008, when he brings that back to my remembrance. And that started then a 13-month process of the mission trip that I led with five other women that we went to Ethiopia. None of us have been, ever been to the continent of Africa, let alone Ethiopia. But that started in this church a movement of missions, a movement of going on mission trips. Many of you might have been with me or have been on trips, but I think that impact, the girls and moving here are my three butterfly effects, which brings us to why we're here, the ultimate butterfly effect, which is Jesus Christ, right? It's the reason that we, we come here, because that is still happening. He is still making waves and will continue to make waves. Growing up, I went to the same elementary school, kindergarten through sixth grade in Springfield, Missouri. It was, it's still there. It's called Laura Ingalls Wilder Elementary School. And I loved Laura Ingalls Wilder. I thought I was Laura Ingalls Wilder for a while when I was a little girl. I would play her. Um, Holly Hobby, if you know who that is, um, the little prairie dresses were a big deal when I was growing up. So I would wear my Holly Hobby look-alike dress that my mother had made me, and I would think that I was Laura. And I would go across the street to the park that was in our neighborhood, and there was a hill. And I would sit on that hill, and I would think, and I would read the, you know, farmer boy or a little house on the prairie, and, and I would think that I was Laura. I know, I had such a vivid imagination. But um, I loved going to Laura Ingalls Wilder Elementary School. But my favorite week of the year was the week before Christmas break. That's when it was still called Christmas break. You know what I'm saying? Now it's winter break. Whatever. But the week before Christmas, we wouldn't have music class. And the last couple hours of the day, there would be a concert in the gym. So the gym was also the cafeteria, which was also had the stage for when there were productions and things like that. And the, the music teacher would roll out the piano and she would have the kindergartners violin first, then the first graders, and all the way back in the back would be the sixth graders. And that first day, and then there would be the metal chairs for the parents, right? in the way, way, way back. And the first day, the kindergartners and the first graders would get to go up and they would get to do their concert and their parents would be in the back. And it would just continue on each day, second and third, and then the next one, it was fourth and fifth, and then the last was the sixth graders. And it was kind of their final concert, so they got to be all alone by themselves. But we would sing Christmas songs. We would sit on the gym floor, and we would get to sing Christmas songs. And I loved it so much. Like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, and Good King Wenceslas. And, and then we would sing, like, my favorite one, Do You Hear What I Hear? And I can distinctly, vividly still see myself on that gym floor, being so excited, singing Away in a Manger, and the Little Drummer Boy, and We Wish You a Merry Christmas, and Go Tell It on the Mountain. 
times have changed. You cannot sing over half of these songs in any public elementary school in America now. But what is it about Christmas songs that gives us all the feels? Am I right? Yeah. It just makes you holly and jolly and merry. I mean, we have Spotify and Pandora and Apple Music that have channels that are dedicated to playing just Christmas songs. For weeks on end, you can listen to Christmas songs. You can go in and, and there are celebrities that have zero relationship with Jesus Christ, right? That have recorded Christmas songs and albums galore. You go into stores like Kohl's and Target and, and any shopping mall in America, and they are going to have piped into the speakers Christmas music everywhere you go. You can hear Christmas carols and songs exceeding, exuding joy and good cheer. Tonight we sing carols, and we'll close out this night by singing this carol that I'm going to explain and tell you the history of tonight. This carol that I'm going to talk to you about was written in France by a man that was a commissioner of wines in a small French town. Known for his poetry and not his church attendance. So when this man was asked by his priest to pen a poem for Christmas Mass, I'm pretty sure he was surprised. While on a coach in 1847, this poet penned one of the world's most beloved carols, using the Gospel of Luke as his guide. This poem was turned over to one of his good friends that was a classical musician to take the lyrics and to make it into a beautiful carol. Three weeks later, the song was performed at midnight mass on Christmas Eve. The carol became quickly beloved. The, the tragedy that happened was when the poet who wrote the carol walked away from the church and he became a part of the socialist movement. When the church leaders found out they shut down the song and said it could not be sung, that it was unfit for church services. But even as the church was trying to stop this carol from being sung, the French people loved it so much that they kept it alive. An American came to France named John Sullivan Dwight, and he took the song and he loved it so much that he brought it back to America. John, being an abolitionist, loved the third verse. So he published the carol in his magazine, and it became a huge hit in the North during the Civil War. Many years later, in 1906, a 33-year-old university professor and former chief chemist for Thomas Edison named Reginald Fassenden did something impossible. Reginald used a new type of generator, and he spoke into a microphone for the first time in history. A man's voice was broadcast over the airwaves on Christmas Eve. Reading from the Gospel of Luke. During those days, 
the Roman Emperor Caesar, Caesar Augustus ordered that the first census would be taken throughout the empire. Everyone had to travel to his or her hometown to complete the mandatory census. So Joseph and his fiance, Mary, left Nazareth, a village in Galilee, and journeyed to their hometown in Judea, to the village of Bethlehem, King David's ancient home. They were required to register there since they were both direct descendants of David. Mary was pregnant and nearly ready to give birth. When they arrived in Bethlehem, Mary went into labor, and there she gave birth to her firstborn son. After wrapping this newborn baby in strips of cloth, they laid him in a feeding trough. Since there was no available space in the upper room in the village, that night in a field near Bethlehem, there were shepherds watching their flocks. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared in radiant splendor before them, lighting up the field with the blazing glory of God, and the shepherds were terrified. But the angel reassured them, saying, Don't be afraid, for I have come to bring you good news, the most joyous news the world has ever heard, and it was for everyone everywhere. For today, in Bethlehem, a rescuer was born for you. He is the Lord Yahweh, the Messiah. You will recognize him by this miracle sign. You will find a baby wrapped in strips of cloth and lying in a manger. And then all at once, a vast number of glorious angels appeared, the very armies of heaven. And they all praised God, singing glory to God in the highest realms of heaven. For there is peace and a good hope given to the sons of men. When the angels, when the choir of angels disappeared back to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go. Let's hurry and find this word that is born in Bethlehem and see for ourselves what the Lord has revealed to us. So they ran to the village and found their way to Mary and Joseph. And there was the baby lying in the manger. Upon seeing this miraculous sign, the shepherds recounted what had just happened. Everyone who heard the shepherds' story was astonished by what they were told. But Mary treasured all these things in her heart and often pondered what they meant. The shepherds returned to their flock, ecstatic over what had happened. They praised God and glorified him for all that they had heard and seen for themselves just like the angel had said. After finishing his recitation of the birth of Christ, Reginald then picked up his violin and played the first song ever to be sent through air radio waves. A carol that is nearly 200 years old has quite a history. This famous carol or hymn of the church is known to us as O Holy Night. This butterfly effect was set in motion by a priest to a poet, to a church, to a nation, to an American, to a chemist, to the world. I ask you tonight, what's your butterfly effect? As we've heard the story of Christ and his butterfly effect, 
what I perceive as my butterfly effect, and then the butterfly effect of this song, this, this hymn of the church. What's your butterfly effect? As the band comes out and gets ready to lead us in, O Holy Night, I want to close with the book that I started reading, The Butterfly Effect. There are generations yet unborn whose very lives will be shifted and shaped by the moves you make and the actions you take today and tomorrow and the next day and the next. Every single thing you do matters. You have been created as one of a kind. On planet Earth, there has never been one like you, and there never will be one again. Your spirit, your thoughts and feelings, your ability to reason and act all exist in no one else. The rarities that make you special are no mere accident or quirk of fame. You have been created in order that you might make a difference. You have within you the power to change the world. Know that your actions cannot be hoarded, saved for later, or used selectively. By your hand, millions, billions of lives will be altered, caught up in a chain of events begun by you this very day. The very beating of your heart has meaning and purpose. Your actions have value far greater than gold and silver. Your life and what you do with it today matters for forever. Will you stand with me as we pray? Jesus, I am very, very humbled that you would use me to speak to these women tonight. You know who I am, and you know all my flaws and insecurities, but yet you still chose me to be the vessel that you would use tonight, and I am honored, Lord Father God. I pray, Lord, that you know the women that are in this place tonight. You see us. You know us. You created us. You know the hairs on our head. You know the thoughts that invade our mind and our heart. You know the trouble that seems to be all around us. You know the joys and our sorrows. You see us right where we are in this place tonight. And we have a purpose, a God-given purpose. So this Christmas season, we take what you have given us, though it may seem small, it may seem insignificant, it may seem of no value whatsoever, but we take what you have given us and we say, use us, Lord Father God. Whether we're the priest, the poet, Lord Father God, whether we are, are the, the professor 
or we're the, the, the American that was the magazine owner, or we are the man that gets to use his voice that forever changes how we communicate and listen to music. Whatever you use us for, Lord Father God, we give ourselves to you humbly. This Christmas, I pray for encounters for these women, that you would be able to give them encounters, that they are able to use their gifts to love on other people, Lord Father God, to be the light, to be the salt that you have created us to be, that you so desperately need us to be in this crazy world. Use us. May our butterfly effect have everlasting meaning and value this Christmas season, I pray. Use us. We love you so much. It's in your name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.
Jesus, we thank you so much for that divine, glorious, holy night that you came to save the world and save us. I thank you so much that we can be here and spend a few moments just in your presence, worshiping you with all our attention and our focus on you. I thank you so much for your goodness and your faithfulness, that through it all, you're there. And from the beginning, you knew about us and you know our name. We worship you and we praise you today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. We are so thankful that you came out tonight to join us for 70 Palms. I think it's been such a beautiful, encouraging, wonderful night. <clears throat> so we just wanted to say thank you, and we hope that you join us on January 15th, which is a Friday. Um, but before you leave, the worship team is going to sing one more song, so I hope you enjoy it. Oh, I'll be